You're listening to the Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. And mate, uh, we had a big end to the trade period. Uh, it seemed like nothing got done for many, many days, a lot of talking. Um, I think there was like 29,000 posts on Blitz or, you know, thereabouts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we um, unfortunately couldn't get the deal done to get Dunkley, uh, Josh Dunkley into the club, which I must admit I was really looking forward to that. I, I thought there was that, that big body midfielder we've been looking for. Um, and like I said, I just feels like it's, it's a real missed opportunity, but it sounds like the Bulldogs weren't playing fair and it was a pretty tough one for Adrian to get through. And probably in the end, he, he was probably right. He, you know, it was, would have been irresponsible to give, you know, even pick seven and eight to get Josh in. And, um, you know, uh, as sad as it is, um, you know, there's always next year. And, you know, if they've added uh, Adam Draw to that club, uh, you can only think Josh is going to get less midfield minutes than he did this year. So um, hopefully he's in the same position next year and he, he'll consider another move for the Bombers. Yeah, it was a bit of a, as you say, missed opportunity, mate. But, uh, yeah, look, if... Adrian can only, uh, you know, offer the trades. Um, he can't make the other team accept it. So, um, yeah, by all reports, we offered pick seven and a future second. Um, so, obviously, we don't know what else was offered, but, you know, this, everyone was sort of saying that whatever we offered, um, you know, the dogs were just saying no to. And it sounds like, you know, they were really just sitting back and, and waiting and hoping they could get uh, Trelaw for, for cheap, um, you know, as the as the day wore on. And, you know, it seems like we they sort of played as like a fiddle. They they were never interested in uh, letting Dunkley go. But we we pursued him. So I think uh, if you just dunk just Dunkley, yes, you're disappointed because the deal didn't get done. Um, but you know that Essendon were putting forward good faith, uh, you know, trade offers forward. So it's not like we weren't um, coming to the table. Um, so I think Adrian Dora has done, done quite well. And certainly if you look at our haul of what we got for, uh, for players and draft picks for, you know, at the end of the season, you know, it was a bit of all doom and gloom. Uh, but when you look at everything we got uh, at the end of the day, we're standing in a pretty good position Yes, we've let go some absolute talent. Uh, there's no denying that. But you know, we've we've got the opportunity to uh, you know do a bit of a sort of mini rebuild um, with some really good young talent to come in. So um, I actually think you know Adrian Doro has done done quite well for the Essen Football Club. Yeah, and I guess like when you look at the players we did add, um, they're all around that. 24 to 26 mark again like so um well in Jai Caldwell's case he's only 20 years old and uh funny enough he was one of the picks um that was used when we traded uh for Dylan Shield so that was the first round pick we gave to GWS for Dylan Shield and they drafted Jai Caldwell and uh guess what GWS will take him back now you've given him two years of development and um <laughs> yeah yeah he looks like he's going to be a really good player and Obviously, going to be with the club for a long time, and um, there was a few eyebrows raised with uh, the kind of uh, contract he was able to earn from us. But um, uh, I think that's going to pay off because 
I've been told he's a very hard at it midfielder who, um, yeah, he's got some skills and uh, works very hard in the midfield. Yeah, and it's uh, it's really good. We do seem to have a strategy, uh, at least for this this trade uh, period, in in going after that that sort of age dynamic, and uh, people can they can really fill a need um, for us. So um, yeah, I think quite smart uh, trading there. We haven't given up the absolute earth. Uh, I mean, if you go through our actual trade, so we started off. Yeah, we lost Joe Danaher as that restricted free agent and didn't match their pick. So we got the first round compensation pick of uh, number seven. Uh, then we went after and got Peter Wright uh, and gave Gold Coast a, a future fourth round selection. Uh, and I think Peter Wright will give us, yeah, obviously that focal point up forward, um, which will be sorely needed uh, because obviously. Yeah, Smack retired or was uh, you know forced out of the side. He's now joined the Saints. Uh, but um, so good on Smack for keeping his AFL dream alive. But I think Peter Wright, um, you know, he's he's had what six years of development or so at uh, Gold Coast Suns, and hopefully a new environment for him will um, you know, give him a, a new lease on life. And he, from his statement uh, to the club, it sounds like he's willing to do the work to earn his spot in the side, which um, which is fantastic to he to see uh, that we're not going to be giving blokes games uh, just because they're the sort of height we need. Uh, then obviously the Adam Saad uh, deal went through to Carlton. Uh, so, you know, we, uh, we lost Saad, uh, third round pick. So that pick 48 and the fourth round pick of the pick 78. But in return, we received pick eight and uh, that fifth round pick of pick 87. So I think to effectively pick up uh, pick seven and eight for Adam Saad and Joe Danaher, uh, look, while you'd rather not lose those players, uh, we've, we've probably done quite well uh, out of those and hopefully can pick up some, some bright young kids going forward and go into the draft with picks six, seven and eight currently. So three picks in the top 10 is doing pretty good. Uh, so the next one went through was Ratio Fantasia de Port. Um, so we received uh, pick 29 and a future third round selection for Raz. Uh, and obviously gave up Orazio Fantasia and, and a fourth round pick. So pick 73, there's a bit of late pick swap there. Uh, and the last two trades to go through for the Bombers are uh, really late in the piece. Uh, so we, we got Jai Caldwell um, and the third round, uh, a third round pick and a fourth round pick. And we, um, we gave them pick 29 and a future second round selection. So effectively two second rounders for, for Caldwell, uh, but getting those uh, sort of later picks back to give us some points uh, for our academy selection or selections. Uh, to see how we go there. Uh, so I think some good trading there from Adrian Doro. And the last one to go through um, was Nick Hind. Um, so we received Nick Hind and a future, uh, pardon me, and a fourth round pick, so currently pick 77. And uh, we gave up picks 67 and 74 uh, for Nick Hind's services. So look, while we didn't get Dunkley, I think um, overall we've, we've done pretty good with the, the cards we were given. Uh, so we've got a bit of speed with, with Nick Hind, that, that sort of uh, midfielder we've been after with Jai Caldwell. Yes, he's still got development to do, but he's um, certainly fits the profile. And uh, yeah, there's big wraps on him. 
Um, and yeah, plenty of good picks and Peter Wright. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with the the trade hall. James, how about yourself? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what we do with picks six, seven, and eight. Um, you know, it would be. I think you know, I would love to see us try and uh, combine a couple of those picks, try to get down to North's pick, and you know, potentially get a Logan McDonald into the club. But um, you know, that might be too won't be asking for too much. But regardless, if we've got three picks in the top ten, uh, even if that gets pushed out a little bit with uh, some of the academy players. Uh, the the Bulldogs have and Collingwood and Sydney, even if they end up being basically picks, um, you know, nine, ten, and eleven, you should still be able to get some really good players with that. And um, yeah, I think the the one player that grabs my eye, mate, um, is a young bloke named Archie Perkins. Um, yeah, so he's a he's a player that. You know, I think uh, he's from Sandringham Dragons. Uh, he's got yeah, that 188-centimetre midfielder. Um, you know, looks like a player that could be, you know, that kind of point of difference that, you know, obviously not straight away. Obviously, they take many years to develop, especially these guys who haven't played footy you know, for the best part of 12 months, some of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be quite speculative, uh, some of these picks, because we just haven't seen him play uh, competitive footy for a while. So, um, you know, it is unfortunate in some ways that we've got these this great draft hand, but, um, you know, uh, it's going to be kind of limited to what kind of um, viewing we've had on some of these players. And um, that's not to forget, we've got some great NGAs coming through. Now, um, I heard Adrian Dodoro kind of downplay these guys and said potentially they could... Um, go back and play in the under-19s next year, which is uh, basically, um, I think, Cody Brand and also um, uh, Josh Eyre. Um, and, you know, one's a key back and one's a, you know, key forward. You know, obviously both need a lot of development. But, um, yeah, I'd be surprised if someone puts a late bid into them we didn't match because um, key position players are always hard to get. And we haven't really seen Harrison Jones yet, and he was our number one pick from last year, and there's still a bit of excitement about him. So, um, yeah, we're probably years away from seeing our best team now because uh, these younger players coming through are going to take time. But, um, yeah, like I just feel like there's a bit of hope, um, you know, going forward. We're at that right age demographic where we're, we're not loading up with 28, 29-year-olds now. We're... Um, yeah, really looking to build a, a lasting foundation. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think that's the the good thing with, I guess, like for me, um, yeah, that's probably why I'm not a negotiator, mate, because, uh, you know, I probably would have, um, you know, pulled the trigger and said, yep, I'll give you a pick seven and eight for Dunkley. Yes, it is overs, but he is a contracted player. So sometimes you have to, um, you know, pay that um and i guess the thing is uh with draft picks they're always speculative uh you know i guess you can research and do everything you want um but in the day they are speculative whereas you know josh dunkley is a is a known quantity like he's he's a gun he filled a need um but the clubs obviously said no you know we're if we can't get him for the right deal we're not going to um you know basically uh you know give up the future of the club um, you know, just for one player. So um, it is, 
yeah, I guess it is good that the, the Dons are sticking to their guns because by the sounds of it, they're taking a realistic approach and going, look, we're, we're probably not in the flag window uh, next year or two. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going the, the, the youth route and you never know, as people have been saying, you know, with these um, high picks in the draft, you know, there's the potential we could get some absolute jets and, you know, you look at the Port Adelaide example with, you know, uh, Butters and Rosie and, and these sorts of guys and the sort of excitement and the absolute talent they've, they've brought into that club and what they've been able to achieve, um, you know, thus far. So, yeah, there's definitely reason for, for hope for mine. And when you look at the, I suppose, the profiles of some of these kids, because that's all most of us fans can really ever go by. There's uh, you know, plenty of young kids that you know look the goods really um but until they get out there that's um it, it's hope and uh, i guess there's still plenty to play out in terms of what we're doing with the list uh, you know whether we actually keep those draft picks whether we uh, sort of split them or try to trade up uh, still plenty to play out before the 9th of december and uh yeah <laughs> the afl certainly does love to uh drag out its coverage yeah, sure does. Um, as I said, uh, it's funny, isn't it? That trade period went for best part of not. I know technically it's only about a week or so, but uh, I mean, um, that trade radio starts immediately after the the grand final, and um, the, you got the free agency, and then that follows on to almost a week of speculation before even the trade period starts, and then nothing gets done really until the last day, mostly. Um, you know, it, you certainly wonder, like, if it was shortened, would we get more action? Um, because it seems like the club, the, all the clubs, you know, just ride it out to the very last minute. And you get this farcical situation where they've had over, you know, eight days to trade and they, um, you know, they wait for the very last minute and deals are going through after the deadline uh, because they're in an email, you know, basically queue to um to get put through so um yeah time management wouldn't be high on um list managers uh kpis i don't think no i wouldn't think so mate yeah so but, um well, just before we discuss anything more i guess that was a good roundup just to let you know we you know we, we do have paul cousin uh, paul cousin sorry joining us again um today and we're going to discuss a little bit about the VFL um, or the new VFL uh, arrangements and uh, although he won't give us everything because he still doesn't know himself um, I just thought it'd be good to touch base with him and just see at the very early stages um, where you know that part of the club was sitting as of today. Listen to the Donscast, and uh, we're very fortunate again to have the company of Paul Cousins, who joins us for a second time. You're still our second guest, Paul. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we're, we're going to keep you on a um, provisor that you're uh, happy to keep going. But um, yeah, thanks very much for joining us. <laughs> no, my pleasure, boys. Good to come on again. I thought you would have had a few on in between. Jeez, it was yeah. a while ago. 
Yeah, I, I just don't have those contacts, mate. Maybe I'll have to have a chat to you one day. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you through the address book. Yeah, Gee, we've, thanks, we've, we've been guests, but uh, yeah, not not had guests as well. So yeah, jumped on the lunch <laughs> catch up there. Good. So that was good, but. Uh, Ah, uh, nice with uh, Scotty and Grant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah, good, good fellas. Yeah, they're very good. Um, yeah, so we're really happy to have you on because um, in our last pod we talked about um, basically a season review, and then we discussed the um, well, the the newly named or yet to be named competition that's coming next year. That's going to include the ex VFL teams and obviously needful teams and. Um, and obviously the uh, expansion teams uh, are going to be entering the competition as well. So it's really uh, 22 sides, I believe, in um, 16 rounds. And uh, I guess we wanted to bring you on to see if you had any clarity on uh, was it going to be a conference system or was it going to be um, just you know, a, a luck of the draw who you play or um, has that even been decided yet? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. The... Uh... The, the working name, I think, at the moment is the uh, VFL slash East Coast competition, I think, is the working title. But um, that'll that'll quickly change. I imagine they'll have a new name for it pretty soon, but some, yeah. something about the East Coast, no doubt. Um, but, yeah, so as far as conferences and stuff goes, it's still largely up in the air, or certainly was last time I was updated. Um I think the uh, the general sort of feeling is that they'll, um, you know, as far as the travel goes, they'll try and uh, tie that in as closely as they can wherever they can to the AFL draw. Um, so if, uh, you know, the Bombers are playing Gold Coast uh, at Carrara, um, Carrara? They don't call it Carrara anymore. Metricon. <laughs> yeah, um, Metricon. Yeah, uh, then, then the VFL will will likely play Gold Coast as well, um, you know, on a road trip as well. So, to try and sort of cut down on on uh, the logistic exercise for AFL clubs, um, but also, I imagine there's probably going to be a fair bit of crossover of staff and um, between, or, or a fair bit more crossover, I would imagine, than previously of staff between the AFL and VFL programs. So. Um, you know, the, the more those two programs can sort of be in the one place or close to, the, the better for, for clubs. So we'll wait and see on the conferencing. Obviously, you can't play 22 teams in 16 weeks. So, um, yeah, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll have to figure something out there. I'm not exactly sure where that's at, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see on that one. Do you think there's yeah, uh, be... potential there? Sorry, mate. No, do you think there's potential, Paul, for, I don't know, not, okay, it's not like the, the hubs we've seen this year, but I mean, potential for if we were traveling up to Brisbane, perhaps they stay there for a few weeks or something. I guess it makes it d- difficult because obviously these guys have full time jobs and that kind of stuff. They're not, um, you know, professional uh, football players, a lot of them. So, yeah, um, no, we won't be. In fact, um, we, we won't even stay is my understanding and I say we, I sort of use the royal we a bit whether I'm uh, part of any travelling party or not sort of remains to be seen but um, but yeah when um, our VFL guys travel it, it'll be or what we've been told at this stage is it'll be same day travel so you'll fly up in the morning fly home in, you know straight after the game it's unlikely to uh, include even overnight stays let alone a couple of weeks um, and, and part of that 
uh, as you said, is, is most of the, or, or a lot of the guys playing in the VFL, particularly with the standalone clubs and that obviously are, um, are working um, full time. So certainly they can't go away for long stretches, but also there's going to be a lot heavier involvement this year with um, under 18s kids, which is becoming under 19s, uh, the NAB league. Um, the, the, essentially uh, a lot of the AFL programs will, will be um made up of AFL players who aren't getting a game and um, a lot of these under-19s kids uh, from, you know, a couple of programs to each club. So, um, so you know, when we when we play, for example, and, and look, it's all very fluid at the moment, but when we play, for example, it might be that we have, you know, 10 guys off the AFL list um, who haven't been picked that week as well as 15 kids from or, you know, 14 kids or whatever from... Uh, Bendigo and Calder's uh, under 19s t- uh, programs. So, um, you know, it, it might sort of look, again, it's pretty fluid, but it might sort of look something like that. And obviously you can't have 17, 18, 19-year-old kids, um, you know, who aren't professional footballers uh, staying on the Gold Coast for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Might be a few headlines there, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there could be. <laughs> but um, also, like I guess with that, you you would have to think that um, is that going to take away from maybe these mature age play- people who want to try and get another chance at AFL level? Are they going to really have to assess their options? Maybe hit the local leagues? Do you think more so? Yeah, look, it, it's uh, certainly the rules as we've seen them at this stage, and again, it's a it's a long way away. Um, mm. As far as you know, everything well, it shouldn't be because it's mm. it's November. Uh, normally, we've got a pretty good head around our, our program for the coming year by now, but everything's sort of been pushed back a couple of months, as you would imagine, um, with the season sort of not that long finished. So um, we're, we're still awaiting a bit of clarity on a few things, but it's looking more and more like um, certainly for AFL. Um, programs it'll become a bit more like a development league as opposed to um the the traditional vfl where you got a lot of sort of mature hardened bodies going up against each other um the likelihood is that that while the standalone clubs will still have uh, more mature bodies certainly than we will um the the salary cap measures and the and the list measures that they're putting in place are really sort of making it a, a bit like an under 23s um, mm. in some ways, you know, like uh, um, with, with obviously with a, a sort of a spattering of, of more mature age guys. But, uh, you know, I really hope that, that we manage to find a way to get and keep quite a lot of those guys in um, whatever whatever they're calling the league. In the, I'm just mm. going to say VFL, but everyone yeah. knows what I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like Aaron Heppel and Danny Unan and um, it, 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 just as examples on our program who um, really great people to have around a program, you know, probably, well, not probably, they, uh, you know, I've been pretty outspoken that Aaron Heppel should absolutely be on an AFL list. Um, but mm. you, you put yourself in the shop window in that um, league in a way that is difficult locally. Um, but you know, if that's the way that the, the the secondary comp goes, then AFL clubs are just going to have to get better at, at scouting, um, you know, the metro and country leagues and 
because you're right, you're going to end up with more of your 24, 25, 26-year-olds looking for another crack at AFL level, looking for a crack at AFL level. You're going to get a lot of them running around in, in some high-quality sort of um, metro, ammos, country, that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I'm just thinking aloud, like, you know, these teams that are standalone, if they uh, load up on over 25s, for example, um, and they're playing against young kids and that, they could actually you know, put themselves in a good position to, um, you know, obviously have the bigger bodies and they might stand out more. So it'll be interesting to see if the AFL puts any rules on how many players you can have over that age of Yeah, look... I haven't got them in front of me, but there are some rules in place yeah. for that exact reason. Yeah. Um, but um, there's no doubt that's going to be the case. So I, yeah. I suspect, you know, you sort of find, and and certainly, you know, uh, well, this year obviously we didn't get a season, but in my sort of previous five years as as VFL president, it's sort of it's become pretty apparent over that period that that whilst the um, AFL clubs often do quite well in the VFL throughout the regular season. Often come finals times, those uh, experienced, mature bodies in programs who play together and that all year come to the fore. And and, um, certainly, you know, over the last five years, we've had a lot of, um, obviously Richmond won it last year, but we've had a lot of uh, standalone clubs Mm. um, winning winning flags, Port and and Williamstown um, come to mind. So, uh, yeah, it, it's you could get a, even more of a separation there, and um, certainly that could tell a tale um, how how it shakes out at finals time. You know, if if in fact there is a final series yeah. with it, if there, you know, it's all very fluid still. Yeah. Um, so uh, AFL clubs are going to need a reserves comp running while they're playing finals. Mm-hmm. Um, or well, they're going to want it, you know, whether yeah, they get course. it or not remains yeah. to be seen. So, um, so you, you would expect there'll be a final series. You're not going to want it if you're Williamstown or, or um, Frankston or Coburg or any of those standalones. You're not going to want to play a whole season and then not have a serious finals competition on the end of it. No. So, um, yeah, there, there's there's still a fair bit to work out on it, but um, but you would think that. You know, certainly if I was in charge of a standalone club right now, I'd be on the blower to a few pretty good experienced VFL players in their sort of mid twenties. I reckon yeah. you can you can set up your season with a few of those guys. Yeah, yeah. And I'll keep... and, uh, sorry, just yeah. uh, just talking about people with uh, finals experience that uh, could potentially help, mate. I'd, obviously, in the trade period, the last tra- sort of trade that went through was uh, Nick Hind uh, actually coming back to Essendon. Um, so I just received the sort of word there that uh, we received uh, Nick Hind and pick 77 and St Kilda got uh, uh, pick 67 and 74. So just a bit of a late uh, pick swap there. But the important thing is uh, we get Nick Hind back at Bomberland. And uh, yeah, I'm sure many of us who uh, uh, remember Nick Hind in the red and black, remember that, uh, what was it, the 2018 final series, uh, you know, it was uh, yeah, the last drilling. minute dash against <laughs> yeah. against Richmond down the uh, down the middle of uh, Port Melbourne Oval. Where, um, yeah, yeah he, look, oh, I'm absolutely stoked. I, I, honestly, I've had a massive grin on my face for the last <laughs> half an hour. So, um, you know, to get another, it's it, there's a little bit of vindica- vindication for our program too. In that, you know, we developed Hindy and um, through our VFL system. Um, 
DJ was an assistant coach with our VFL program at the time and um, he and Hindy were, were from the same club in Ballarat. So um, they knew each other that way and Hindy had missed most of his sort of top age 18s with a shoulder reco from memory. So it sort of gone under the radar and came to us as a bit of an unknown quantity um, to our VFL program and uh, he sort of stuck him off half back and just watched him go, you know, and it was it was apparent very quickly that he had um, something pretty special about him. And, um, you know, he, he played a couple of seasons in our VFL program and uh, it was certainly no surprise when he got picked up. And um, at the time, we were pretty heavy with sort of uh, running half-back tops, uh, which were probably a fair bit lighter on for now. So... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I imagine uh, St Kilda actually played him forward most of the time and, and mm. sort of he spat up onto a wing a bit and played a bit of outside mid. But um, I, I have no idea at this stage, but mm. I expect, um, you know, they, they might look at him off half back to sort of recreate a bit of that run and carry that um, Connor and Sadi have provided for us over the last few years. Yeah, it's a massive get, I think, because um, as I said, I think quietly there is a spot for him if he um, can uh, you know, lock it in. Uh, we certainly need that kind of player down the half-back flank, as you say. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, um, look, St Kilda are going to have a bit of uh, salary pressure now in the middle of their list with what they've done over the last couple of years in sort of um, Going after some some pretty high end talent on on pretty high end coins, so um, it's you're going to have a few guys sort of spit out of the middle of their list over the next few years, I expect. And Andy was probably, I mean, I, I I understand we we chased him, we went after him, but he was probably a bit of a um, result of that um, salary pressure as well. He's been pretty good for them over a couple of years and um, played some really good footy. I know, sort of, you know, mid to late this year was was near enough to best I might have even got a few brown low votes in a game and um so yeah I, he gave them pretty good service for a couple of years but I think he's got another level he can go to with us too he's the right age group too isn't he I think he's about 25 26 now and um yeah he you know, is yeah yes. we've got a real core coming through on our AFL list of um you know for all the things that went wrong this year and a fair bit did um, with our AFL program, what what really went right was our um, sort of 22 to 24, 25 um, age bracket. Um, we really got, you know, and, and look, uh, I make no secret of the fact that I'm incredibly proud that two guys who played a fair bit of AFL footy finished first and fourth in the in the BNF, <laughs> the Brownlow, I was going to say, yeah. in the BNF yeah. with, um, with Rids and Langers. Um, you know, both in that age bracket and, um, you know, obviously Pidge McGrath's in that age bracket, Mace Redman and uh, Drapes and uh, Clarkie and, you know, various guys like that, all of whom have, well, other than Pidge, have sort of spent a fair bit of time around the VFL as well. And so I think it's a pretty good tick over the last few years for, um, you know, the program we've had. And uh, you're right to bring in a guy like Hindy in, in that sort of age bracket as well, a little bit older, but but vaguely around that age bracket. And we have got a little bit of a hole in the in the list, probably just above that 24, 25 and, um, and probably just below. So, you know, they, they bring in Caldwell just below that age group and um, Hindy just above it, I think is, is good business from a, from a list composition point of view. So 
um, yeah, it, it's it's good to see, you know, when when things don't necessarily go exactly how you how you hope they would on field over the course of a year. Uh, it's really good when you can get development out of those young guys, and you know, because young guys obviously they they bring that enthusiasm and hope and if we can keep that core group together and, and add a few little pieces here and there to them, I think they can really drive the, the footy club forward over the next few years. And I think that we've got uh, three top 10 draft picks to come as well. So, um, you know, if we get those picks right, it's uh, going to be a really talented young group coming through. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's the obvious example and everyone's used it, but, you know, we've all seen what Port Adelaide were able to do a couple of years ago with um, picks probably, well, not probably, picks that weren't as good as, yes. as this lot that we've got now. And, um, you know, whether I, I don't – look, I'm not a um, professional scout. I don't sort of get into the whole is it a good draft, a bad draft, is it a you know an unknown draft because we haven't seen some of these kids march or – the, the guys who work in those departments, you know, work their bums off and, and watch all these guys for a number of years. Um, so they'll they'll already, I'm sure, have a good idea of the, the sort of um, vague range of targets that they're looking at. And um, I'm sure they'll bring in some good players. That, you know, we've got some really good people in recruiting at the footy club. And uh, Adrian, uh, obviously, his Adrian's picks over the last few years, I, th- I think, have been really good, really mm-hmm. successful for us. So... Um, you know, hopefully, uh, as you say, we can hit on a couple of gems and, and um, with that 22 to 24-year-old group and then you got sort of Harry Jones and a few of those kids from last year. And Mozzie, mm. obviously, unfortunately, he's got a big knee, but he'll be back the following year. And uh, Nettie Cahill debuted this year. And so there's some talent there. And, you know, you add in three sort of 18, 19-year-old really elite talents as well as, you know, uh, maybe um, one or two more along the way. And yeah, you can you can turn over, a, um, well, not turn over, but but certainly sort of augment a list pretty quickly um, when, you, when you go about it the right way, which I think they have. Just in uh, just regard to some of the uh, VFL players, Paul, like I guess with the senior guys, because um, there's still no word on, you know, list sizes for the AFL um, side. So you imagine, I mean, there's quite a lot of uh, AFL listed players currently who are in limbo. So you imagine it's going to be pretty hard to get, like for, I suppose, VFL players who haven't played this year to get a chance on an AFL list this year. But have you been in contact with any of those guys and, and what their sort of plans are? Like an Aaron Heppel, um, uh, you know, for example, or uh, even Danny Union, um what their sort of plans are or if they're just in limbo as well? Uh, yeah, look, I haven't spoken to either of those guys, of any of those guys in um, really recent times is the answer. We'd, um, uh, I really hope to very soon, you know, as we get a bit more clarity. But um, we, uh, obviously, Richo left the club last week from the jam of footy role and, um you know, we so, so you've sort of got a. I'm not sure who's going to come into that role exactly, but um, you know, there's still plenty of planning to be done around that. So, uh, but yeah, I, I plan to reach out in the near future to a few of those guys and just see what their sort of planning is. But it's you know, it's one of those things where a bit like as you said with list sizes and stuff in the AFL, it's very difficult to plan when you don't know exactly what you're planning for. So. Mm. 
the 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 guys you mentioned as well as um several others uh you know so, um Josh Tynan's another great name who mm. comes to mind and Bluey McKenna and um, I, I shouldn't start naming guys because we've got a really <laughs> great group uh, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll forget someone, but they're really great people. They're really um, terrific footballers, but great people to, to sort of build a program around. And um, Honestly, I, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to bring in all those guys or, or what's going to happen there, but I, if I had my way, we'd have them all there. You know, I love those guys and We've been through a fair bit together over the couple of years and we've got a little bit of unfinished business. So it would be nice to uh, to say, you know, just get them all back. But uh, mm. the reality is I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to look at this stage. But mm. look, if there's, um, you know, a good country program, perhaps a good Langata boy, I'm sure the parrots down there will be uh, <laughs> working working hard to get his name on a piece of paper <laughs> uh, because he would just dominate in West Gippie down that way where... We, we grew up a town apart, so um, for me it was local footy down that way. But um, yeah, they'll be they'll be super keen to to get him down there and and play as I'm sure would a lot of um, metro leagues and ammos. And you know, you, not only a, a great person, Aaron, but uh, a sensational footballer. So uh, any program would be lucky to have a bloke like that, including ours. Yeah, um, and the the list stuff I should just say on the AFL too. I think they announced today that they're going to have a max forty four, or I think the, the media did anyway, which is generally mm. pretty accurate. So um, on these things, so uh, yeah, I, I think a max forty four, including three maximum three cap bees if you've been carrying three. So mm. uh, the the list will come down in size, but not you know. I think that was all a bit dramatic early in the year when people were saying mm. there were going to be huge cuts. I think it's basically. Um, three, uh, they're essentially cutting three off off each uh, for the list. Yeah, and as you say, if it's going to be a younger competition, um, I think there's still spots for people like an Aaron Heppel and that. Imagine the leadership that he could um, on pass on these young players. So I hope the AFL considers that because um, you know if you get quality people into your club um, and and they're teaching these young footballers, aspiring footballers, um, obviously that's only a credit to those senior players. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think, you know, um, what a Hocking showed what, what having that great transitional leader can do for a, for a program. And Aaron's, you know, Hep's as good a leader as I've encountered. So, mm. um, you know, if we can have him, I'll have him, trust me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough of him and, and, you know, multiple other guys who've been in that program for a while too. Uh, Kurt Aylott was another name I was thinking of before. Mm. Oh, yeah, the GWS. Really, <laughs> yeah, no, mm. he's a ripper cooter and, um, you know, another great person, great leader. So I, I shouldn't, as I said, I really shouldn't name them because there's too many and I'll forget them. Yeah. Now I must say, like every time I've listened to you, Paul, and um, even on the sash and so forth, um, you just tell you got that love for those players. Like it's obviously something that you know you you take on more than just the role in the club. Like you really buy into that, and uh, I think you know that really resonates with supporters when they listen to you. So. Yeah, thanks for your efforts, Paul. It sounds like you do a mountain of work down there, and probably you don't want to take credit for that, but um, I'm sure that's part of the reason why they've had such a strong program. Uh, it's yeah, you're right. There's a lot of other people who have done more than me, no doubt. But mm. but they're um, they're my guys, mate. They're um, mm. you know, and girls around the program as well, I should say. Yeah. But um, 
you know, the people around our VFL program over the last five years, I, I, I can't speak highly enough for whether players or staff or volleys. Um, you know, they're, they're a fantastic group and I really hope we can get a lot of them back together because it's, uh, you know, you work pretty hard to sort of build up these groups and we got into a position where uh, we had a really good one together and, and through sort of no fault of anyone's, it's it's been splintered a bit. So, um, yeah, I, I, you sort of um, spend a lot of time around these people and uh, over a course of years and... You, you you know you know how it is you come to love them yeah. as a group and and um, yeah you hope to hope to uh, be able to see them all again and and keep it going in the future if you can. Yeah. Just another question for me quickly before you go, mate. No, no, this will be my last one. Um, just wondering, you know, what's your impressions of um, you know? Is, is it Lee Tudor who's most likely to be the senior coach for, like, of this new program? If it, if it is, like, I know it's probably not fully in concrete yet, but if it was, um, what's your impressions uh, from what you know of him? Yeah, I, um, so so basically, our AFL development coaches who um, would sort of it, the, that coaching duty will likely fall on a Lee and Cam Roberts um, who've both been at the club um, this year. Uh, so, obviously, they've been on the Gold Coast and I've been in Melbourne. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I don't know either terribly well. That said, we, we spent a fair bit of pre-season together and sort of, um, uh, yeah, got to know each other uh, in that way. Um, yeah, they're both terrific guys. Lee's obviously been around the AFL um, assistant coaching scene for a long time and at a – couple of clubs and had a fair bit of success so uh, he's got a really proven track record uh, Cam came out of the Amos and from memory was coaching Uni Blacks um, with, with some pretty good success for a few years as well so uh, he's also coached his own team and um, look the likelihood uh, it's a million miles away right now but the likelihood uh, is that I would guess that one of those guys or both of those guys will will coach. Um, how that uh, plays out from a, um, you know, do they rotate or do they? I really don't know at this yeah. stage. It's um, what what we do know is um, Mark Corrigan, who who uh, is a is a ripping guy, Harry, and um, a, a really talented young coach. Um, unfortunately, had to be let go by the club through through the horrible circumstance. So, uh, and he was set to coach us. So, um, and, and I mentioned to you guys off air before that um, whilst the playing uh, the the TPP of the of the VFL isn't counted in the AFL soft cap, the the staffing costs are so, uh, or, or at this stage anyway. So, um, you know, going and hiring a and if you're an AFL club going and hiring a, a standalone VFL coach who doesn't also cross over to the AFL just isn't likely. Um, you know, so in all likelihood, you're going to try and use your a member of your of your development coaching group um, to, to coach the, the VFL on the weekend and stick with the AFL program during the week um, would be my guess. And it looks like from what we're seeing in early signs that that's largely the way clubs are probably going to go. So 
I know Sam Mitchell was um, announced recently as Box Hill, and obviously he's been in a development role with the with Hawthorne. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's the likelihood. Um, I wish I could be a bit more concrete with you, but it's all been so fluid. Um, yeah. And obviously, I'm not in the club uh, on a on a day to day basis to know um, exactly where those where those things are at. Um, I'm sure we'll. Um, I caught up with Paul Brasher during the week, and we chatted a bit about the VFL. But um, you know, getting down to nuts and bolts and stuff that's operational. So. Um, I'm sure I'll chat to Zav or, or uh, some of the guys out there soon and we'll figure out exactly where that's all at. But as you'd imagine, um, you know, everyone's had a fair bit on their plate, I think. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just did want to ask quickly on that, on a different, very conscious of your time, obviously, but uh, with, uh, I suppose, Paul Brasher coming in, I mean, he's had a few uh, sort of statements to, to us members recently. Um, and now that, I suppose, Ben Rutten's got, I suppose, full reins of, as uh, coach of the Bombers. And, um, you know, we've had D- uh, Daniel Gian Syracuse uh, join, the, join the club. So it seems like the things, like things are happening around the club and it seems like this internal review um, we've been doing um, has sort of shaken a few things out. I mean, obviously, Dan Richardson was a, a bit of a victim of that. But from your perspective, I know you, you said you're not there day to day, but from your perspective, what's the sort of vibe around... Um, the club at the moment um and you know i suppose because i'm definitely feeling a bit more positive about how things are going into the 2021 season uh certainly than how we left it uh but yeah what are your sort of perceptions of that i think most people would be feeling um a fair bit more positive now probably than they were late in the season <laughs> it's it's one of those things where um you know if you get when things go badly in the hub situation, it was always going to go pretty badly. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. uh, that, that, that sort of situation was always going to magnify um, things going well or things going poorly or, or whatever um, the case may be when a large group of people are away from home together uh, and only together for an extended period of time. You, um, you know, that's always going to, going to put the magnifying glass on things a bit. So, um, yeah, obviously the the end of the year was really difficult. End of the season was really difficult for the for the group up there. And, uh, but as you say, there's been uh, some some really um, positive announcements in the last sort of few weeks, and uh, culminating, you know, with um, young Jai Caldwell comes in today, who was a number eleven pick a couple of years ago, and obviously is a really talented kid. And you know, you got to, people like that have got to want come to your footy club so um that's a positive in itself i think and um obviously with uh gia coming in who i I don't know um at all to be honest but um you know from from what i hear and certainly from what i saw at vfl level he's a really talented young coach and i know people speak really highly of him so uh again another positive and uh i think you know, I, I've made no secret of the fact that, that I'm a, a big um, fan of Paul Brasher. He's a, um, Paul and I were on the board together for three years and, um, you know, he's a really high-quality person and um, he's, he's a really good guy. He's an he's a incredibly astute businessman um, who, you know, he doesn't suffer fools and, and he, uh, as the, the sort of saying goes, calls a spade a spade. So... 
Um, you know, I think that can only be a positive. He's he's really thrown himself into it through sort of various circumstances. Um, he, he's really focusing only on, you know, it's not a paid job being president of Essendon, but he's pretty much doing it full time um, at the moment and has been for a few months. So he's really thrown himself into that. And uh, I think only good can come from that. Um, and I think he'll be a, a really good leader for the club. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think there's some positives out there. You know, Richo going is sad. He's a, he's a really lovely guy, Dan, and um, I had a bit to do with him. So, um, you know, I, I really wish him well he, in the future and I'm sure he'll land on his feet. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of the other stuff is is uh, trending the right way and, um now we've got to, as you say, you, you know, it never ends. You've got to get the draft right, and you got to, mm. if you if you're going to bring in some um, delisted free agents or something, you've got to get them right. And there's still plenty to do before anyone sort of sets foot on the track again. But yeah. um, but I know that you know there's there's been a, a really strong group of guys. I think already over the last few weeks out at the footy club training pretty constantly, and I think uh, the the playing group. Uh, have really been stung into action a bit um, by the sort of disappointing finish last year. And and again, I think led by that sort of 22 to 24-year-old group, I think they're really leading the charge out at the club at the moment. So, um, you know, the, the hangers looking absolutely incredible in the latest photos I see. And uh, it, it's yeah, there's a great saying in footy that things are never as good as they seem and never as bad as they seem. And... Uh, I think that's really the case with us. It, it looked horrible at the end of last year, but I think good footy clubs can, you know, you get some really good people in around the place and you can turn that around uh, and, um, you know, move forward next year. Yeah. And just before we let you go, it'd be remiss of me not to ask. Um, obviously, we've got an election coming um, and obviously Kevin Cheedy and Sean Wellman seem to be the preferred options of um, staying on if you're reading between the lines. But um, I noticed we had a candidate on SEN the other day. Um, I think her name's Gay Williams, is it? Um, and yeah, it she, is. Yeah, yeah she, she was quite outspoken and basically um, wanted to put a strong opinion out there to say that, um, you know, probably in the past, you know, the club has dulled um, having outspoken people on the board and she would certainly not be a quiet one, but she wanted to see a growth in membership. Um, how do you read that, Paul? Do you know, like, obviously not putting you in a position to outspeak against anyone else, but um, do you uh, sympathise with what Gay was saying? Yeah, I know Gay. I, I um, uh, She actually ran against me last election. <laughs> so, um, and, and, uh, she ran against me and Sean Wellman, and Sean yeah. Wellman beat beat me at the time. He ran against yeah. me when I was in, an incumbent and um, and uh, won the seat that I'd had. So uh, it, it's yeah. Oh, look, I as I said, I know Gay, and I, I absolutely wish her all the best. But um, in my experience, going up against a past player and past legend of the club probably isn't going to um, work out in her favour. I wouldn't think, but yeah, stranger things have happened. You know, who knows? I, I, I know that, um, you know, when I ran, I, I served from the end of 2014 to the end of 2017. And, uh, you know, it's easy to forget now, but I think at the end of 2017, things were really on the up and up for the club. And mm. we, after 2016, um, with everything that went on, we'd managed to 
turn around, I think, a $10 million loss into a $5 million profit. And we'd gone yeah. from bottom <laughs> of the ladder to, to a final series. And, um, you know, we, we obviously had a heap of really good young talent on the up, uh, you know, on the way up and uh, really looked like we could challenge over the coming couple of years. Um, and, and I lost the... Um, the election to Wellman by about a thousand votes. So, wow. Uh, you know, he, he got Gee, like you were double, pretty close. Double the votes I did. No, I wasn't yeah. close at all. No, uh, but yeah, like got... a, no, when you say the membership of, you know, well, basically, yeah, that's, I, we've had so many thousand. Only a couple of thousand votes. <laughs> yeah. uh, only a couple of thousand people voted yeah. every election. So uh, yeah. I wasn't close at all. Sean got um, like double yeah. the votes that I did. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, running, you know, obviously it, it's very difficult for, for someone with no real profile and um, certainly among the, you know, the broader membership people. <laughs> but at least I was talking to my late mum at the time um, yeah. when I told her that, that I found out Sean was running against me and she said, oh, no, you'll be okay. Um, you know, he, he might not get that many votes. And I said, well, put it this way, mum take my name off the ballot and who would you vote for? And she said, yeah, okay, you might be in some trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> so I mean, it's a, it's a fact of life that, um, you know, when an AFL um, legend runs for an AFL ball, or, you know, a past premiership player or whatever um, runs for a club board in all likelihood, they're going to get on, you know, mm. and that's, that's just, uh, it's just reality. It's not, you know, I certainly don't mean it as a as an insult to anyone or whatever. It's just the reality of the way these things work. So I wish um, wish all of them all. I think another guy nominated as well who um, I'm not familiar with, but um, he, I haven't seen an announcement. I just heard that uh, another guy had who had a pretty good resume as well. So um, yeah, I wish him all luck. But uh, you know, it'd take something um, pretty amazing to sort of unseat Sheeds and, and uh, Sean, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm going to be the John Farnham here in, in the last time one. Um, but um, <laughs> your, your, right. um, your, your memories of um, good old Doc Reed, um, unfortunately, you know, passed away with uh, illness, but um, he was such a legend of the club and um, I'm, I dare say you would have had a lot to do with him. Yeah, yeah, I passed across a fair. I mean, there's thousands of people who knew Reddy better than me, but um, he, he's a wonderful guy and a, a great guy to spend some time around. Actually, my wife reminded me that uh, we were at a function together just um, about a week, I reckon, before uh, one of my kids was born. My, my my second daughter was born, and so my wife was with me, and she was heavily pregnant, and Reddy was with us, and. Reddy was saying, oh, yeah, the footy was on at the time. And he was saying, oh, forget all this. No, this is all easy. You know, the hardest day of your life's next week when, you, when you're going in for the baby. So he's like, oh, you know, these, these AFL blokes, they don't know pressure, the pressure of going in to, to have a baby. And, oh, I'd forgotten all about it. But just those little moments yeah. that you sort of remember and bring a smile. He was, um, he was great company to be around. He could um, a bit like myself as I look at how long I've been rabbiting on to you blokes now um, you know he, he loved the app you, you couldn't shut him up at the, mm. and um, particularly when, when he had a bottle of red um, <laughs> he, he which which was um, you know a, a favorite nectar for him he, he he would famously would turn up with a 
$20 bottle of wine and end up drinking a $400 bottle of wine somehow, <laughs> which was, uh, you know, which was uh, sort of uh, his trademark. I, I, I was talking to um, one of one of Reedy's kids, his son Woody uh, works at the footy club and is a lovely young guy. He works in commercial, I think, at the club. And um, I was talking to him about 12 months ago, actually, and Reedy had been diagnosed, obviously, and um, the, the diagnosis for mesotheliomas um, normally pretty grim and uh, it normally all sort of happens pretty quickly and Woody was telling me that Reedy was gutted because he drank his entire cellar of red uh, you know, <laughs> with, with all of his he'd had all of his mates coming over constantly and his kids and his and he drank his entire cellar of magnificent red and then you know his, his health had really picked up and 12 <laughs> months later he's like well me cellar's empty. I'm gonna have to start buying wine again, you know? <laughs> because yeah. he'd finished it all. And uh, and you know, just like just like him, he was defying the odds. And and sort of in the end, I think got about two years after the diagnosis. Which, given that diagnosis, I think is pretty incredible. So, um, yeah, he he'll be horribly missed. He's a kind of um, he's a, he's kind of a you know, there's a there's people like. Reedy in in most footy clubs going around in the way that they're they're loved and revered but he's a he's the kind of person who's a real linchpin of a footy club everyone knows him and loves him and he he sort of talks the same to directors as he does to um, VFL volleys and and uh, players and partners and you know he I think he became the he was a club doctor who became the the uh, family doctor of pretty much everyone who played at the club and worked at the club and um, yeah, you can't. I mean, there's been a, a lot of tributes, as I said, from people who knew him for a, a really, really long time. And to be honest, I'm just thankful for to have known him for as long as I did. Yeah, yeah no, it was a sad, um, sad moment in history because uh, he's been such a huge part of it, especially the last you know 35 years at least. And um, yeah, he was just a familiar face, even to supporters who didn't know him personally but um you just saw him on the tv all the time and you knew who he was um, well it's funny i actually i remember telling him that um you know one of my one of my earliest childhood memories is um or now is of the 84 grand final um i guess i was seven at the time and um uh, I vividly remember Kevin Walsh getting knocked out by by Robert Dippietta Medico nice. with a stray elbow in the last quarter when we were sort of running over the top of him. And back in the day, you know, the thing to do when you were getting run over was to knock someone out so you, <laughs> so you could sort of slow down the play such as the game was at the time. Um, and, and I vividly remember this um, young, sprightly-looking doctor running out in a um, – in a sports coat with elbow pads sewn onto <laughs> it and a tie and, you know, black dress shoes and the whole bit. I said, bloody hell, Reedy, how'd you get out there in that? You know, <laughs> so, he, he was pretty happy with the change over the years into a tracksuit, that's for sure. He, uh, he wasn't too fond of, you know, he said the amount of times that particularly on those old muddy grounds that he, that he uh, came a cropper in the dress shoes <laughs> running out was... Uh, but yeah, if you go back and watch that '84 Grand yeah. Final, when you see Walsh get knocked out in the last quarter, you'll see uh, Reedy there comforting him and and uh, bringing him back to the land of the living, as uh, you know, and and really looking after him as he did for 40 years or 35 years or whatever it was at the Footy Club. And um, you know, I, I think everyone who played there and 
and worked there and has got their their reedy stories. That's for sure. He's he's one of those blokes who, um, you know, as I said, really really crossed over the genres in in a club from and and um, sort of had a lasting impression on everyone he knew. Yeah. Well, we're so thankful for your time today, Paul. Um, you know, I know we waffle on a bit, but um, we we really enjoy talking to you. And um, yeah, thanks so much for you know allowing us to speak again to you. Uh, mate, did you want to say anything? Yeah, no, again, no, thanks for your, um, for your time, Paul. Yeah, sorry, you were going to say? No, no, no worries, guys. It's uh, it's it's my pleasure. I'm always happy to come on and have a chat at this time of year. I don't get to talk bombers as much. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, who am I kidding? I'm, I'm taking it out. <laughs> Yeah. About five Essendon phone calls a day, but <laughs> from, you know the texts and the you know all the mates at this time of year, everyone loves trade week. So yeah, it's uh, no, it's good to yeah. good to talk about it again, and you know hopefully we twenty twenty one shows a bit of normalcy and we can um, we can get back to sort of yeah you know, it was great to have footy this year, but it wasn't quite the same, was it? So it'll be great. Nah. To, Great to get back to a bit of normalcy and be able to get back to to going to the games and going to the VFL and and uh, seeing the boys up close. Yeah, well, it'll be great to um, maybe have a chat to you as we get closer to the new season. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I'm sorry I can't uh, can't clarify all that much because there's not much to clarify at this <laughs> stage. But but uh, no, I'm sure over the over the coming, particularly now that um, I think it sounds like the the list sizes and CBA stuff might be sort of close to getting sorted out. So I think once that happens, there'll be a bit of a focus shift to, to the state leagues and the, um, you know, that sort of stuff. So, and I know, you know, the, the AFLW and VFLW seasons are rapidly approaching. So they'll, they'll have to uh, shift gears pretty quickly. So hopefully, you know, we'll talk again soon and, and we can have some actual sort of, concrete stuff in place on on what the season's going to look like for our our uh, VFL slash East Coast competition. All right, mate. Well, you enjoy it. Have a good Christmas and, um, yeah, enjoy some family time, mate, and uh, we'll catch up with you in the new year. No worries, guys. You too. Thanks again for having me. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, listening to Don's cast and uh, mate, how good was that? That Paul Cousins uh, joined us again. We got that in-depth uh, conversation, and we chewed his ear off again. But he's so accommodating. We're really lucky um, he agreed to come on. And yeah, I found it quite, you know, quite entertaining, and also I found it more informative. Even though he couldn't give us uh, exactly what's happening, just because the facts aren't known, it was a good insight, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely it was. I mean, even the fact that, yeah, there is no information to confirm, like that's pretty interesting from a fan's perspective. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, So, yeah, I think, um, you know, it was great hearing Paul's sort of, um, you know, recounting his memories of Doc Reed. Um, You know, I know there's been a lot of tributes, as, as Paul said, but, uh, yeah, I guess to hear it from blokes who've um, actually known the guy, uh, and everyone speaks so fondly of him. So um, yeah, that's uh, that was fantastic here. But yeah, just his his thoughts on how the uh, you know new sort of system might run with the you know, East Coast Football League or you know, VFL A or whatever they're going to call it. Um, 
yeah, it was it was really interesting, and I, I I did find it um, sort of fascinating that they're really going to um, look at bringing you know under 18s and 19s into this sort of uh, you know VFL league, um, if you call it that. Um, and you sort of do wonder, you know, about the opportunities for um, you know people twenty four years and over who may not fill that sort of development bracket. Um, you know whether there's um, you know much less chance for them to potentially get uh, picked up later in their careers. But uh, yeah, certainly a fantastic chat with, with Paul, and yeah, as you say, mate, um, so accommodating with his time, and uh, just a just a great bloke to have a chat with. Yeah, so, um, yeah, well, it's a, like I said, it's been a long few weeks, it seems, uh, with all the uh, you know, speculation we've had, and finally that's come to a head and we've discussed what was actually done as opposed to, you know, the uh, linear of teams and or clubs that we were linked to. Um, you know, the players that, you know, seem to change daily at times. And, um, you know, I guess it's always nice to have that certainty of, who's on your list for next year. Um, and I guess where we're at now is uh, what we understand is that uh, Jaden Laverde's got a contract in front of him. James Stewart's got a contract in front of him that they both expected to sign. I think Marty Gleeson uh, hit a trigger in his contract for one year and there didn't seem to be a lot of interest in Marty from other teams. So it looks like he will sign on. Um, we obviously got confirmation Will Snelling's uh, staying on. Um, and we've obviously got to remember that um, Irving Mosquito, he'll sign on for sure, um, but he'll sit out next year with that knee. So potentially that could give us another pick um, with him being on the long-term injury list. Uh, that's if that rule still applies, because um, obviously uh, from what we know that was leaked today at the players' um, meeting is that uh, list sizes will be 37 on the senior list and seven rookies. Uh, and that includes your three from the B-grade rookie list, if you still have those, uh, which you know, we do in terms of the Irish boys. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, if this is a progressive thing where the list sizes will go down gradually each year. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be very interesting that, Eastern Seaboard, um, you know, competition. Uh, and I've got a sneaky feeling, mate. I reckon uh, we're going to have a look at conferences in that level. Um, I think this is something the AFL's always really wanted to have a look at. Uh, but it's been like a, a leap too far for, you know, people accuse us trying to be like Americans um, with conferences. But I think in this situation, they can have a look at how a conference system would work. Uh, at a lower level. Yeah, well, I mean, there's certainly a scope for it. I mean, as you sort of said when we were talking to Paul, like you, you've got 22 teams and only 16 uh, sort of uh, rounds. Um, you know, you can't play everyone uh, once. And uh, how do you split that, especially when they're trying to limit travel, as, uh, you know, sort of Paul was saying. Um, and there's only obviously so many uh yeah, clubs like AFL clubs that have a sort of two side in the VFL. Um, yeah, you know, imagine GWS and, and Gold Coast would also be part of it. 
But um, yeah, I don't imagine them uh, wanting to travel every second week. So I, I think conference uh, conferences do make sense, um, particularly as you know these blokes work full time. They they don't have uh, the sort of time or money up their sleeve to you know go away for three weeks to to play a bit of a round robin with as many teams as they can. So yeah, I think conferences make sense. Um, so yeah, it's potentially a bit of a free hit for the AFL to, to see what the appetite's like uh, for crowds and, and players and everything else. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll all see. And uh, that, that includes Paul, cause he's, he's got to find out too. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Paul confirmed on our first um, you know, interview with him, that um, the AFL has agreed to pay the bill for this. So um, obviously they want to keep their costs down. So they're paying for teams like Frankston to travel to Queensland if, if necessary. Um, and that's why I understand now that what Paul was saying, that it would be day travel, like they'd be getting on a plane early that day, going up, playing a game and then flying back the same day. The AFL would then save on hotel costs and so forth. So um yeah, the AFL will obviously be trying to minimise the cost of supplying this kind of service. And, yeah, let's just hope COVID uh, kind of is a thing of the past in a couple of years' time and, you know, our footy, our love for footy comes out and that money can start to generate into the AFL system again and we don't see all these cutbacks and we can get back to some normality. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And uh, I guess just on that, you know, like again, we're just we're just fans. We don't have any links to the club or anything like that. Uh, but obviously, memberships are, are coming up. Uh, if you've not had a had a call, email, or something from the club already asking asking for your money to sign up again, um, you you certainly will soon. Um, but you know, where people can, um, you know, do try to keep your membership with the club. I, I personally think it's really important we stay independent of the AFL. I, I certainly don't want us to be controlled um, by the AFL and basically have to, you know, ask them every two minutes if we're able to do X, Y, or Z. And it'd have to be ticked off by them. Um, so where people can, yeah, um, yeah, do, do look at uh, signing up and back in the Bombers again. Uh, because while yeah, having a lack of success does hurt, um, we all love the Bombers and uh, certainly want them to be stronger going forward. And uh, I think the one one way us members can help um, is through, you know, putting our uh, let's put it like our money where our mouth is and uh, you know, buying a membership where we can. Uh, so that's that's the only thing I'd say there. But uh, yeah, obviously everyone's situation is different, but. Uh, yeah, just yeah. Let's stick around the bombers because I, I think there is definitely room for uh, uh, room for hope and optimism going forward. No, it's not going to be a flag next year, but uh, yeah, certainly we we seem to be tracking along a better path than we have been previously. Yeah, I think it's important that you know, if we had players that didn't want to be here, uh, as Paul Brasher said, if they don't want to be here, let's uh, help facilitate them out of the club and. It, Sounds like the players like Joe Danaher and Maurizio um, Fantasia and, you know, as a later part of the season, Adam Saad, you know, if that's bad blood just sitting around at your club, then you're probably in better position to, to let them go. Um, let's hope that 
Kyle Hooker and Michael Hurley are, you know, um, are over them being upset about Tom Bell Chambers. Like, you know, with a really young list now coming through, um, it's really important our leaders lead with, you know, really strong conviction and, you know, try and put that love of the club so that the younger players see this is the environment they're in. Um, you know, mate, I've got to say, Adam Sard won. I was just so disappointed with that. Like, he was one of my favourite players to watch. And, um, yeah, the way he went out really left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, yeah, I thought we'd been pretty good to him, especially in a playing sense. Um, I, I do admit his role definitely changed this year. And um, you've got to admit, he wasn't as attacking. And, um, you know, he still had a pretty good year, mate. But, um, yeah, I, I can see why he was a little bit upset with the way he was used this year. But, yeah. Um, yeah, the way that he left the club, I just felt it was pretty poor. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, he spoke today and he said that yeah, he still loved the club and, and so forth, but it, it seemed a little bit fake to me. And, you know, particularly when we tried extra carefully to try and keep him at the club, even as late as you know, early in the week, and uh, he was having none of it. Um, yeah, I, I kind of doubt uh, his love for the club. Yeah, I, I, I sort of see that. I guess one, the one quote that stood out to me strangely was he sort of said, um, you know, obviously I requested a trade 38 days ago. Um, like, <laughs> it just seemed a very, um, I don't know, it's a, a strange thing to say if, if then you're saying you still love the club, um, if you've been counting the days until you can uh, shoot off. But Look, you know, he, he did give us great service for the three years. He was at Essendon. Um, at the end of the day, you know, while he did leave, um, he certainly uh, didn't do it in a way that, um, you know, like we, we were able to get you know, full value uh, for what we believe uh, he's worth. And certainly, we, you know, we got the pick eight for Adam Saad, Um which I yeah I think it's a fantastic outcome. If if he's going, um, you know, we've at least got something back uh, of value to the club. So, look, you know, um, I wish Adam all the best going forward. I, I did love seeing him play, and his his dash and run for us uh, was fantastic. I will miss him uh, in the back line, but um, yeah, look, mate, all we can do is um, do the best deals we can with the hands we're given and uh, move forward move forward from there so um yeah that's all i've got to say about him yeah well um yeah the other thing mate is if someone said at the start of 2018 that um you know after watching joe danaher and orazio fantasic kick a hundred goals between them um that both of those boys would be gone in three years time um you'd have also um you know your two half back Flankers who show so much run and dare in Connor McKenna and Adam Saad also uh, wanting to leave your club. You know, quite rightfully, you'd ask, what the hell's going on? Um, you know, how have we lost, you know, what looked like such a key part of our ongoing success at that rate? Because 2017 seemed like a year that was either going to progress us up to the next level after acquiring, you know, Jake Stringer and you know, Adam Saad and, Devin Smith, and you know, we should have been in a better position. What we are, but um, yeah, those guys, 
all leaving at the same time. I just think it's time to press the reset button. Um, that'll be disappointing to players like Dylan Shield and Michael Hurley and Carl Hooker, who, you know, closer to the end of their careers and, um, you know, probably won't see, you know, ultimate success in their time with the direction of the club now. But um, I certainly think that gives us a good foundation to, you know, hit that reset button and try and build with players like, you know, these players are only known by name at the moment, but, you know, you hear the promise of a, you know, Harrison Jones, a Sam Draper, uh, now Jai Caldwell. Um, You know, we've got those three top 10 draft picks coming into the club. Who knows who they'll be, but, you know, you imagine if you get even two of those right, uh, it's going to lead to the club, you know, having a really good um, functioning young list. You know, we've got Jordan Ridley, the reigning best and fairest player. Um, you know, Andy McGrath, who looks like he's going to be the, you know, uh, captain apparent after um, Hep finally hands it over. Um, you know, I guess the big one for next year now is what's going to happen with Zach Merritt. Um yeah, obviously he's raised some concerns to the club. He's, he's admitted to talking to Paul Brasher and uh, he's basically said he wouldn't sign an extension until he assesses next year. So um, he's obviously, I think, our best player. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what he thinks of the club's move next year to see what if it's appeased him or if it's made him even more resu- resolute that... Uh, success might be a few years away and while he's uh, you know, around the 26, 27 years of age, he might go and look for an opportunity to play for a, you know, a side closer to the flag. Who knows? But um, yeah, what, how do you read of that situation, mate? Uh, look, I mean, I think he's asked the, the right questions. Um, he does seem like somebody who uh, stands by his integrity and his convictions and he's um, basically seen things that he didn't necessarily agree with, but he has stuck out his, his contract. He didn't uh, seek to leave. Um, so effectively, this is uh, him saying, look, let, I'll see how it goes. Um, and I think, you know, there's reason for optimism. You know, we've brought in uh, Daniel G and Syracuse. Um, you know, we've done that interim review into the club and um, how we can uh, do things better in the future. And um, hopefully that says to Zach Merritt that, you know, we are committed to, um, I suppose, riding the ship and um, you know, getting us back on the rails. Um, and, you know, um, honestly, if I was in his situation either, uh, you know, I'd want to see uh, a, a change to the, the not only the um, off-field side of things, um, but the on-field side of things. Like, is the playing group um, that's there willing to do the work and, and commit and you know, make those sacrifices that's required to become a, a really good side? Um, because for too long, we've just been in hope, really. So I'm hoping there's that uh, alignment from uh, Brasher down um, with the club to really say, all right, let's pull our socks up and... Uh, you know, really push towards uh, becoming a successful side. And that's what will uh, sort of help Zach Merritt recommit to the club going forward. So I, I definitely don't, um, uh, you know, I, I actually think it's a great thing that, that Zach is demanding higher standards of the club. Uh, I think we should always be uh, doing that. So I, I commend him uh, for, for standing by his, his convictions. 
Yeah, all right. Well, um, I guess the next big decision I think we're waiting for now, obviously before the draft, is going to be who the footy boss is going to be. Um, we heard the club say that after a more experienced footy boss to take us to the next level, like the GM of footy, um, after letting go Dan Richardson. Now, to me, that doesn't sound right when you're, you know, Brad Scott was mentioned because he really hasn't been a, a GM of footy. So, um, mate, I'm going to go out on a limb um, and I wouldn't mind seeing Lloyd come to the club. Uh, and that's Simon Lloyd, not Matthew Lloyd. Um, Matthew's brother, Simon, who's uh, been down at Geelong. Uh, and guess what, mate? He's a trained psychologist. So, um, you know, I reckon uh, working along with Kevin Sheedy and that, he, he might learn a few things. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I reckon uh, Simon Lloyd, to me, would be a really good acquisition. Um, you know, there hasn't really been, you know, I guess everyone's attention's been on the trade. So kind of speculation for that role's been not, not much about. But I think, you know, to me, if you want someone experienced, you can't pick a you can't pick a Brad Scott because um, he hasn't actually done the role. So, yeah, I, I think you've got to be looking at, you know, maybe yeah, you know, an Andrew Vozzo from um, West Coast or Craig Davis. I think it is from um, uh, from Port Adelaide. They're the kind of players. Uh, sorry, people that have been mentioned in that job. So. Chris Davies, sorry, it is. Um, not Craig Davis. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, we'll wait and see um, what that outcome is. But uh, I believe um, there was some chat that, you know, interviews have been scheduled. So we must be getting closer to an announcement. Yeah, well, that'd be, yeah, really interesting to see how that falls. And I, I guess the, um, the good thing to see from a, a fan perspective is that it does seem like there's a proper process going forward to uh, to select uh, someone as opposed to what's happened previously that uh, a bloke knows a bloke or they're a, fan, a former player with the Bombers or uh, something like that. And we've just selected them uh, and given them a contract of a few years without any sort of knowledge as to whether they're able to perform uh, the job as we we require so um yeah let's hope we're we're casting nets uh, wide to find the best candidates and uh through a proper process uh, are able to identify and uh, and hire them yeah um so any other news mate that's floating about that you wanted to discuss yeah look i guess um yeah in terms of news Really, there will still be plenty to play out until the uh, the ninth of December when the when the draft comes around, and obviously uh, they've still got live trading of uh, of picks for the draft. So who knows where the uh, actual lineup of uh, the sort of draft order will, will land. Um, but apart from that, really, the only news we've seen recently is the re-signing of Snelling. Um, so for another year, so he's with us next year. Um, but apart from speculation on who might have contracts in front of him, there's not really um, been a lot else uh, or public um, that's been going on around the club. Um, but certainly this this trade periods uh, yeah kept us 
kept us engaged and interested for for a time being. And I think Adrian Duro has actually done a, a really good job uh, with the with the hands he was given. Yeah, um, I should say it's remiss of us to forget and pretty major announcement today, actually, mate. Um, the club uh, has been pledged, uh, yeah, just over six million dollars uh, to put towards the the hangar, and uh, that's largely they're investing in the women's program, um, and that's the um, Victorian state government uh, doing that. So, uh, and I did hear that the yeah, sort of football club will be trying to enter the AFLW as early as 2022. And I think the back of this announcement uh, for a state government to put so much money into, uh, you know, female football, uh, that should be, you know, a really strong consideration to the AFL. And to me, it seems a bit strange. One of your biggest clubs, you don't have them included in the AFLW. Uh, You know, we know that Northwest Corridor has got, you know, a heap of uh, young females um, and, you know, playing the game that we all love. And, uh, yeah, I think it can't be sh- too long, surely, that um, Essendon uh, don't have a side in the AFLW. Yeah, it'll be fantastic to see, mate. And, uh, yeah, just on that, I mean, I've, I've gone the option of, um, you know, so I'm a member of the, you know, VFLW and certainly I'd... Uh, you know, say to everyone, if you can, um, you know, back the girls and, uh, you know, with that, you get sort of the um, the option to, you know, go up to the AFLW if and when we're, uh, we're put in. So, um, yeah, get behind the girls as well as the guys because um, we all have the club and it's a big Essendon family. And, uh, look, it'll be fantastic to see, um, you know, Essendon out there in the AFLW um, so really looking forward to that. And uh, as you say, James, this sort of investment and commitment, um, you know, it does, does show uh, really good signs that we're, we're in a much better place than we have been uh, previously. And, yeah, let's, let's hope by 2022 we can uh, – you'll be cheering on not only the uh, AFL but also the VFL if, uh, in whatever way, shape or form that continues, um, as well as the AFLW girls. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, mate. Well, um, yeah, I think that's about it for this one. Um, obviously, we could, we'll do a, um, a pre-draft pod next. Um, obviously, that'll be you know, probably a day or so out from the draft itself. And then we'll do a post-draft one. So probably got two more episodes in us, mate, before the end of the year. But, um, yeah, we'll do our reviews of... Yeah, watch all the YouTube clips we can find and <laughs> <laughs> become experts, mate. But um, yeah, like I think uh, you know, it's it's good to see some certainty around who's on our list. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I guess the, my concerns going forward was the forward line. You know, losing you know Fantasia and Danaher, and you know that was that was such a big part of our forward line when they were fit. Um, and I guess, you know, Peter Wright, we don't know where he's at. You know, he's kind of, you know, you know, left in the the quaffle, or I think they call it, or the kneeful, um, for, um, you know, because he just couldn't get in front of Ben King and um, other tools there, you know, Sam Day. So I think that um, he's itching for an opportunity. He's only, you know, 24 years of age. Um, he's got some decent hands, mate. If you watch some of his highlights, um 
take some ripper marks. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see on his mobility and so forth. But, um, yeah, he looks like he can be a good resting ruck as well. So, um, yeah, let's wait and see what we get out of Peter Wright. You know, Nick Hine feels a need. I think he, you know, could quite rightfully uh, get an opportunity on that half-back flank. We certainly need some run and dare down there. So, obviously, the club have got a position in mind for him, and hopefully that's where that sits. And then Jai Caldwell, you know, you only hear positive things about him. Uh, you know, you always remember Phil Davis saying that if any player could get a 10-year contract at the Giants, he'd give it to Jai Caldwell. And, you know, to me, that's a huge wrap. Um, you know, so I think, you know, to have Jai into the side, even though he's only played the 11 games in AFL at the moment, um, I remember McCarthy saying, uh, this kid's ready to explode and that's why we want a top 10 draft pick for him. Um, so they obviously rate him very highly. So, yeah, let's wait and see uh, what happens you know, going forward. Beauty, mate. All right. Well, um, yeah, thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you next time. Hopefully um, we can talk about the new footy boss and, you know, our draft hand and uh, our draft selections or predictions uh, ahead of the national draft on December 9, mate. Is that right? That's it, mate. Yep. Uh, December, no. yeah, that's right. Yeah, December 9. Sorry. Yeah. Excellent. No worries. All right. Well, um, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, till next time, go Bombers. Go Dons. <laughs>